stop. This message could save you from investing your precious time into a true crime story that goes nowhere. Avoid that disappointment. You need True Crime Feed Podcast. Unlimited premium true crime curated for you. Find out about a female serial dater turned serial killer. The truth about the D.A.R.E. program. Bizarre black markets, political murder plots, and a school for troubled teens so horrific it could be a Stephen King novel. True Crime Feed sifts the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor, plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending, and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. You know you want those thrill chills, so come and get them. Subscribe to True Crime Feed. That's True Crime F-E-E-D wherever you get your podcasts. What did you want to be when you were younger? Some of us wanted to be astronauts. Others wanted to be athletes. Firefighters, policemen, doctors, actors, teachers. The list goes on. They say that what we want to be is a reflection of who we are as a person. If that's true, then there was one young girl in Maryland who had the biggest heart. Her dream was to work for the government with the goal of protecting people. When she got older, her dream came true. For years, she worked in national security and did everything she could to keep our information safe. But what happened when she came across information? That was supposed to be a secret. What happened was that her dream would turn into a nightmare. And that nightmare would be deadly. Kanika Powell was born on January 31, 1980. Her mother, Judy, has never stopped speaking fondly of her daughter throughout the time that her case has been investigated. She remembers her daughter as a fun and spunky child who grew up to be an ambitious young woman. This is evident in Kanika's actions after high school. Once she graduated from Large High School in Marlborough, Maryland, Kanika almost immediately enlisted in the U.S. Army. Her family and friends had no idea that she was interested in going into the military. Her family in particular was mystified by her determination to enlist, but their support for her ambitions never stopped. With her family's unwavering support, Kanika joined the U.S. Army in the year 2000. She would end up serving in Korea for several years all the while keeping close and consistent contact with her family back home. Then, in 2004, Kanika left the military and returned home to Prince George's County, Maryland. While she was home, she began looking for work. It wouldn't take long before she had some luck. Shortly after moving back home, she landed a contract position with the Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory in Laurel, Maryland. Interestingly, the details of her work with the lab are a mystery because she was regularly working on homeland security projects. It was a dream come true for Kanika. She always wanted to work in national security and she was excited to start this next chapter of her life. Sadly, a string of strange occurrences would follow her new position. 
Kanika was able to work her job for several years. During that time, she got to enjoy everything that she dreamed of. Sadly, there were things she never imagined would also come along with her new job. On Saturday, August 23, 2008, the 28-year-old had a very strange encounter. On that day, two men knocked on the door of her apartment. They were claiming to be from the FBI. Kanika called her mother that evening and shared the story with her. She called and said, Mom, these two men just knocked on my door saying that they were from the FBI. Kanika then called the FBI to find out if they had sent anybody to her apartment. That is when she learned that the men were not from the FBI and had put a fake badge up to the peephole. Kanika, who was left, scared and unsettled by the incident, decided to write her own email as a warning. Just two days later, on Monday, August 25th, she sent an email that read, I just wanted to share with you the scariest thing that happened to me this weekend. Saturday evening around 7 p.m., a man was knocking at my door. As all of you may know, I live alone. I asked who it was, and he didn't answer. So once I got close to the door and looked out of the peephole, I saw a male figure that was not familiar to me at all. I asked who he was, and all he stated was that he was from the FBI and that he was looking for Kanika Powell. It freaked me out completely because this man knew my name. He held a shield up but no picture ID, and he never gave his name. He told me he was looking for me in regards to an investigation. I told him that I had no idea as to what he was talking about and that he would need to show me documentation as well as a warrant of some sort. So he left and I looked out my bedroom window and saw him walking. I also heard a voice tell him to walk in the opposite direction. The whole situation was scary and seemed so false. So because of this incident, not only did I get no sleep for the rest of the weekend, but I am now trying to get an alarm system. She concluded the eerie email by advising the recipients to forward the information to women they know. It appears to be a mystery just exactly who the specific recipients were. However, there were some additional details to the email that are noteworthy. She made it a point to mention that she had called the FBI. They advised her that it was common practice for agents in the FBI to leave their card when they do a home visit. The men who visited her apartment did not. Kanika also says that she called the local police out of fear that the men pretending to be FBI agents were seeking to harm local women. Police arrived at Kanika's apartment four minutes after she called. Despite canvassing the area, they did not find anyone who matched the description that she had provided. Unfortunately for Kanika, that wouldn't be the last time she had a strange visit to her home. Just four days later, on August 27, another strange man knocked on Kanika's door. Kanika was able to have a conversation with this man, but she wisely kept the door between them. Just like the fake FBI agents that had visited her previously, they started by asking if her name was Kanika Powell. She told him that it was. He told her that he had a package for her, but he needed to go back to his truck and get it. He appeared to be giving her the impression that 
he was a delivery man who was just confirming her identity for bringing her a package. However, after stepping away to allegedly retrieve the package, the man never returned. Kanika was now convinced that she was being targeted. That last visit made it three strange men who came to her home over the span of one week. It would be just 12 hours until that number increased to four. On August 28, 2008, Judy got a phone call from her daughter. Frantically, Kaneka told her that yet another man had come to her door, saying that he had a package for her. She contacted the police again. The police did yet another search of the area and found nothing. While talking to her mother, Kanika told her that she was going to take the day off from work. She told her mother that she was leaving town to run some errands and that she would be back home early. Her mother believed that she most likely wanted to avoid being out at night. Judy had no idea that she was having her very last conversation with her daughter that night. Kanika went out to run her errands early as planned. She returned to her home just before 12 p.m. She had no idea that someone was in her home waiting for her. Then, at 11.50 a.m., a neighbor placed a call to the police to report gunshots at the apartment complex where Kanika lived. Upon arrival, the police discovered Kanika lying in the hallway with multiple gunshot wounds. She was still alive, but unconscious and barely holding on to life. She was rushed to a nearby hospital. That same afternoon, Judy received a phone call. Detectives working Kanika's case informed her that her daughter had been shot and was in the hospital. After Kanika was rushed to the hospital, detectives stayed behind and began investigating the scene. They were trying to figure out exactly what happened and what the possible motive for such a heinous attack could be. Since she was shot right outside of her apartment, the initial theory was that this was the result of a robbery. Perhaps she returned home right in the middle of the robbery and the perpetrator shot her and ran off. But next to Kanika's body were her car keys and wallet, which would rule out any chance of a robbery motive. Finding a motive would prove to be a real struggle for the investigators. The only thing they knew for sure is that the shooter was laying in wait for Kanika to return home and shot her with a handgun. When Kanika arrived at the hospital that day, she was still alive, but she was unconscious. Sadly, she never regained consciousness. On August 29, 2008, Kanika Powell was pronounced dead at the hospital. The early days of the investigation were tough for the police. There was very little information to work with, and even less physical evidence at the scene. They also weren't able to find the gun used to kill her. This led to a lot of online speculation with regard to why Kanika was murdered. The bulk of that speculation centered around Kanika's job and the men who continuously visited her house in the week leading up to her murder. It didn't help that her job was not very forthcoming with information. Even after Kanika's murder, the most that Johns Hopkins would offer was confirmation that she did work for them. They gave no information regarding her role, which lab she worked for, 
or even what her job title was. Her work appeared to be top secret and highly sensitive. Some web sleuths believe that Kanika's job involved reviewing other people's clearances and that she may have come across dangerous information in the process. It does seem almost factual that the men who visited her house were all working together in some capacity. Each of them seemed to have the goal of just confirming that Kanika Powell did, in fact, live at that residence. Upon getting that confirmation, they would always leave. For that reason, it appeared to many that her murder was a hit job. The police did reveal that they were considering multiple possibilities, but they never elaborated. There were no suspects named, and no official theory was released. Then, something happened that would only add to the questions in this murder case. Just a few months after the murder of Kanika Powell, a black man named Sean Green met an eerily similar fate. Sean worked for the National Counterterrorism Center in McLean, Virginia. Like Kanika, his work involved him dealing with highly sensitive information. There are even reports that he was also dealing with top security clearances. In November 2008, Sean was ambushed by a masked gunman while he was in his car waiting for a green light. Interestingly, Sean was killed just 30 minutes from Kanika's home. That commonality, along with the similarity in their jobs, sparked a widespread belief that their murders were related. Another theory centers around the belief that Kanika was the victim of a serial killer. Some suspect that she was murdered by a man named Jason Scott. Scott was a serial killer convicted of five murders between 2008 and 2009. He had numerous encounters with the law and had been arrested several times for burglary and other crimes. According to the police, Scott began working a job that required him to deliver people's packages. He also had a degree in computer science, which he used to find out information about his victims. Using that information, he would rob and kill them while under the guise of being a delivery driver in the area. Jason Scott was caught when the police received a tip in 2009 that he was selling illegal guns out of his delivery truck. When the police raided a stash house that Scott used, they found evidence linking him to five murders. Three of the victims were shot. In four cases, he murdered both a mother and a daughter. The police in both Washington, D.C. and Maryland are convinced that Scott committed more murders than they are aware of. Since Kanika's murder occurred during the period of time in which police were able to tie him to different murders in the area, some suspect that she was an attempted robbery victim of his. They believe that he was unable to rob her most likely because she lived in an apartment complex, unlike his other victims, and he shot her and ran away. Do you believe in conspiracies? It's hard not to in this case. What are the chances that two people working with highly sensitive information are gunned down in the same area? And what about the multiple strange visits Kanika received in the week leading up to her murder? The more you look into this case, 
the more sure you become that there is a clear answer to this mystery. If that answer is correct, then Kanika was just a bright young woman who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And sadly, the entity responsible for her murder is far too powerful to ever be brought to justice.